It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks so much for being with us today. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, as always, although Kevin's been gone the last couple of weeks, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Good to be with you. Social Security is an extremely important financial tool, which is why you want to make sure you don't make a mistake about the when and the how to start drawing. But it's hard to avoid making a mistake with so much misinformation surrounding Social Security. That's why today we're dispelling the myths so that you can make a great Social Security decision when it's your turn. That's right. The stakes are high. And, and this is one of the most important financial decisions you're going to make in your life. So big show, big show today. If you have a question, we would love to hear from you. We've got a great question from Daniel that we're going to be hitting hopefully in the second half of the program today. You can submit your questions a couple of different ways. One, you can call or text us 574-222-2000. And let's be honest, you'd rather text. So you can do that. 574-222-2000 online, wisemoneyradio.com, and then all over social media, Instagram and Facebook, and the YouTube channel actually has just gotten some uh, a facelift there. We're doing more videos and so on, so I'd encourage you to check us out there. All those areas, just search the Wise Money Show. Okay, let's get into it. There is, um, we already said, I already said, this is one of the biggest financial decisions you're going to make in your lifetime. And sadly, there's a lot of people that make this decision quickly without a plan and unfortunately make some mistakes. We want to help you avoid those today. One of the reasons why I think people make mistakes is there's a ton of misinformation out there. I came across some recently that as I was listening to this material from another financial professional, I thought, oh my goodness, I hope people aren't making decisions off of this. We're going to break that down in a little bit to help make sure you don't make the same mistakes. But a lot of this misinformation is about this key decision with Social Security, and that is when to draw it. So let's start talking there. We have to, because how scary is it that much of the misinformation that you know kick-started this particular episode was from other financial professionals? Right. Right there. You, you could go down to the Social Security Administration office and get some misinformation sometimes. It is complicated. And uh, so it's, it's important for you to begin educating yourself on this topic of Social Security long before you're even facing the decision point, right? And uh, it, it's important because, you know, obviously Social Security, if you are working, earning a paycheck, or you're running your own business, you are forced to pay into this social program. And yet many, many Americans never ever take the time ultimately to educate themselves on the consequences, on what their choices ultimately could be, what their options are, but then what are the forecasted outcomes that could ultimately determine whether or not they've made a good decision or not. So, okay, so let's set the table. First of all, you've got this runway here between age 62 and 70. For most people, you could draw at 60 if you're a widow, but, but 62 to 70 is your choice. That's your window to draw Social Security. But the timing of which depends, I think, mostly on when you're working and how long you're working, okay? Everyone has a full retirement age. For most people right now, that's close to 67, if not 67 exactly. And if you are working, 
um, up until a, a certain period of time, but before that full retirement age, um, and you start drawing your Social Security, you're limited then on how much earnings you can have. Josh, do you have that? Yeah. You know, uh, here in 2019, if you are drawing Social Security and have not yet reached that full retirement age, you're going to be limited to $17,640, I believe the number is. Mm-hmm. So in, just to say it differently, you're not limited in, in your earnings. You can earn as much as you want. You, uh, it, it does impact how much of your Social Security you're actually able to keep. True. Yeah. So yep. there are a couple ways that your Social Security can be reduced. One is if I go over that 17,000 number mm-hmm. before full retirement age, then it my, it's going to be reduced by potentially $2 of earnings pulls back a dollar Social Security. So that's one way. The other way is the taxation on Social Security. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing that I get, a lot of times people will retire and think I'm done. So all I want is six Saturdays and a Sunday, and I want to organize my sock drawer and get my tie hangers all hung up. And and once all that is done, they say, okay, I need a purpose other than just um, what I'm not finding it here. So I'm going to go back to work and do something. I still have something to give. So they go back to work, and then they will come in and they'll say, hey, I can make $27,000 doing this job job should I do it because that extra $10,000 is going to result result in a reduction in my social security of 5 grand. Yeah. And I say no. Work. Work. Net net net. You will be considerably farther ahead. And there are actually without getting too complicated there are some things that you can do to stop social security and other things. But if you just said, "Hey, I'm going to be a hair over the amount that I can do." I would say, don't worry about it. Make the money. You are farther ahead, and your retirement plan will like it. You're you're exactly right. I mean, the math works to your advantage to keep on working, even after drawing Social Security, as long as you're mentally and financially prepared for the potential reduction, right? If you're sitting here thinking, hey, I'm drawing Social Security at $20,000, and I'm going to go earn another Thirty on top of that, I'll be at fifty thousand dollars. Life is good. You may not realize that this penalty is lurking out there yeah. if you started drawing before full retirement age. So, what else do we need to throw in the mix here? And, and this weighs in a lot on when you should draw your Social Security. And that is, each year you delay your Social Security up until age seventy, there's about an eight percent increase. Okay, it's not exactly eight percent; it's a little less, a little more. But each year equates to approximately an 8% increase up until age 70, and then that increase stops. So if you delay past 70, uh, it doesn't make any financial sense to do so. Most people don't understand. uh, It's always communicated that that's an 8% per year increase. It's actually a small increase every single month. So you don't have to just wait. If, If you choose to delay, it's not a full year you need to delay to receive some of those increases. It's every single month. Each month you delay, your Social Security will permanently be increased. That's, that's exactly right. And that's why it's important to recognize this choice is yours. When you retire and when you draw Social Security, it's, the decision is up to you. Even though you receive a Social Security benefit statement that lists three different ages, they, they tell you what your benefit would be at age 62, that's the earliest you can draw, what it would be at full retirement age, which is unique based on the year that you were born, 
And then uh, what would your benefit be at age 70? So you might trick yourself into believing that, well, I have three options on when I can draw, but you can draw any age, any month. And uh, as, as Mike said, the calculation, either increasing or decreasing your benefit, it depends on the month. You're going to benefit. Even delaying one extra month does have a financial impact for you. All right. Now, what I would argue, what we would argue, is the best time, so listen up, the best time to draw Social Security depends on your specific financial situation. It depends on your financial plan and how all six areas of your financial life fit together. We're going to talk more about that in a second. So anyone out there who says it's always best to draw as soon as you can, or anyone out there who says it's always best to draw at 70, I'm going to say is wrong. Now, the data shows that on average, most people draw as soon as they possibly can. And so to me, I think that's probably the biggest mistake. Not that the mistake is, well, to draw early or, or, or delay, but that most people are drawing as soon as they possibly can, which to me suggests they're drawing without looking at all of their financial life put together. That's exactly right. For some people, it does make sense to draw as early as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. If you've received some sort of um, health diagnosis, for example, or some uh, reason why you know you're not going to live long enough to, to benefit from a delayed uh, drawing date or start date, then maybe age 62 makes sense for you. But that is not most people. Age 62 is the most popular age to draw, and yet it shouldn't be. It's yeah. not the right age for many. I'm seeing the data here. 57% of people actually draw at 62. 75% of people actually draw at 64 or earlier, even though mathematically, only six and a half percent of people should draw at that time or earlier. So we're going to break this down a little bit more. When should you draw your Social Security and what other misinformation is out there that sort of that could be pushing you to draw at exactly the wrong time? We're going to clear the air and dispel each of those things. So a lot more to come here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. When is the best time for you to draw your Social Security? Is there a one-size-fits-all approach where you should always draw as soon as you possibly can or delay, delay that until you as late as possible? I'd argue no, but we're breaking that down today and we're dispelling lots of misinformation that's out there to help make help you make the best Social Security decision possible. So thanks for being with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. I want to say thanks to the attorneys at South Bank Legal for making the Wise Money Show possible, as well as First State Bank. Thank you very much. Online, you can keep uh, keep tabs on the show. We're um, right there on the website. You can submit questions there as well. Just search wisemoneyradio.com. Questions right there on the right. Every episode's there as well, and all sorts of other content. So you can find us there. Okay, so we're talking about the making this enormous decision about when to draw your Social Security. And we're about to kind of dive into some of the misinformation that I saw recently published by another financial professional. But before we get into there, what are the factors in determining whether you should draw early or late? That's a great question, Mike. The, the, when people are afraid of making a mistake, 
typically they either do nothing or they do uh, what's just right in front of them. And so I would encourage you, if you're afraid of making a mistake with Social Security, work with your financial advisor, your certified financial planner who does, who helps in the areas, the six areas of personal finance. So if you say, hey, I have a financial advisor and they help me with my investments, that's great. But you want a, a certified financial planner who can work in the six areas of CFP and help you. So the factors in making this decision and the real problem with making this decision, even though it's one of the biggest financial decisions you're going to make in your entire life, the problem with making this decision is you will only ever know in hindsight whether you made the right one. Yeah. So yeah. if you are a perfectionist, I just have to tell you, you there's no way to, to pick the right choice because you will only know with the benefit of hindsight what the decision was. So the factors that go into whether or not I should draw my Social Security and when are number one, what is my health? Number two, what is uh, my financial picture? What are my income needs? Am I going to work in retirement? What is my um, debt structure? And there are a few more that we're going to unpack, but th that's those are the basic ones. My my health, whether I'm going to work in retirement, my cash flow needs, and my debt structure. Well, and and you don't know also how your health is going to unfold throughout retirement either. Correct. Right. So many people make the decision to draw at age 62, and it is a fear-based decision. The fear of losing out on their social security benefits because they die too early. Right? Well, we, we're baited into that. Every paycheck you've ever gotten, you've seen this nasty four-letter word that starts with F <laughs> called FICA, <laughs> right? And so every paycheck, you're looking at this thing thinking, I can't wait to get mine. I can't wait to get mine back. I've been paying into this thing for so long. It's time for me to get paid. And so emotionally, you see it right there and 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 you want to I mean, I think that that um, influences that fear-based decision. You're exactly right. We all know someone who passed away, you know, early in retirement, year one of retirement. They never got to to enjoy the golden years because they they passed away, or maybe their health um, declined so rapidly. So they say, well, I, I may as well grab a hold of of this option as soon as possible, so that I'm not that guy or that gal. And then the other fear is that the Social Security Administration is going to go belly up. We've heard for years and years that this is a broken system. It will be bankrupt. And, you know, that we, we all hear the year 2035 as a magic year. And we tell ourselves a story that if I don't draw it right now, then uh, ultimately I might never get my opportunity, mm -hmm. right? But a more thoughtful approach, looking at the, the factors that Kevin just shared, a, a more planful approach does consider, well, what, what could my health be? And actually, what is the bigger risk that I may live much longer than I ever thought I would and uh, may permanently reduce my payout just because I was afraid that I might pass away too soon? Mm -hmm. The age of your spouse certainly influences when you should draw. So if your spouse is significantly younger than you, and then the odds of you passing away before them are, are higher. And because of how the survivorship works with Social Security, then uh, it may make sense for you, if you're the older spouse, to delay 
as long as possible because uh, when one of you, w- when someone passes, you get the higher of the two, uh, essentially. Um, but if you're the younger spouse, it may make sense to draw early because um, you could get or up to half of the other person's full retirement age benefit. Now, there's lots of assumptions built in there. But uh, if you're the older, if, if there's a big age difference between you and your spouse, that certainly plays a big role into when you should draw. I tell you what, if your head is spinning right now at the description of, yeah, a gap in age between my spouse and me, should I draw early, shouldn't I? I, I tell you what, the only way to tease out the right answer, the only way to know what the potential outcomes, which ones would be best, is to run a full-blown retirement analysis, a forecast of what your retirement ultimately could look like, what will your needs be over the long term of the rest of your life. And I've had some surprises along the way. I've I've run into scenarios where, boy, I, I would have thought both spouses need to wait as long as they can to draw, and then we crunch the numbers, we run the analysis, and we realize, no, actually... One spouse needs to go, needs to delay as long as possible. The other spouse needs to draw as early as possible. And it was just a uniqueness of their particular marriage. The, as you said, the gap in age between one spouse and another, how long are they going to work, that kind of thing. There's all these factors that make it a unique calculation for you. Don't think that a rule of thumb or someone just making a blanket statement about how you just, everyone ought to do it this way. Don't don't believe that for a moment that that applies in your situation. It may not. All right. So that's a that's a, that's a good place to transition here because I I recently came across some um, some headlines that say um, the average person draws uh, or the the data suggests you should delay drawing Social Security, but all the data is wrong. You should draw at sixty two, and. Um, and that caught my eye, both because, and I want you to know this, both because I think the data that says you should always wait, I think that's ridiculous. And so certainly I looked at this saying you should always draw early, and I thought that was ridiculous. But anyway, it caught my attention. And and so I started looking at the points. And the first, the, I'll just tell you, the points don't make any sense to me. The very first one says you should draw early because Social Security is taxed. That is ridiculous. I have no idea. You certainly need to be aware of the tax consequences of Social Security and run that retirement plan that, that Josh mentioned. Um, however, simply drawing early because it could be taxed doesn't make any sense to me. No, and yet for some people that might be a pe- peculiar statement that you just made because we all know someone who's drawing Social Security and is not paying tax on any of it. And what we don't realize is that well, it, it depends upon your full tax picture, your full income situation. That's what determines how much of your Social Security could be taxable. No one out there will pay tax on all their Social Security, though. Right. The cap, the, the, the worst it could get is that they will count 85% of your Social Security benefits on your tax return each year. But many people, it's a sliding scale below that depending on their other sources of income. It almost sounded like this other financial professional was saying, draw as early as you can because that's the lowest Social Security number and therefore you'll pay less tax on a lower number, which is ridiculous. I want you to go out and make a million dollars and we'll figure out the tax planning ramifications after that. Make as much as possible. Uh, it just was bogus in my opinion. 
Yeah, and tax planning is a huge issue because if you say the the gauge of success in retirement is I'm paying no taxes, and we just ran into this uh, where we're helping the kids um, with the parents, and I'm going to run out of time, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold hold that thought, Kevin. I mean, there's a couple others as well. How does how does your premium for Medicare fit in? How does your required minimum distribution fit in? There's several other points here that we need to clear the air on, that we need to um, clarify to help you avoid some of the common mistakes that people make when drawing their Social Security. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Should your required minimum distribution influence when you draw your Social Security? I saw some information recently that suggested one thing, and I'd actually argue the complete opposite. We're going to break that down here in just a second. Thanks for listening today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her inspired team of realtors. Thank you very much. All right. So we're talking about this big, big decision of when to draw your Social Security and all of the misinformation that's out there. I'll just catch you up. There's no one size fits all approach. It's not always best to draw it as early as you can. It's not always best to delay as long as you possibly can. It depends on your specific financial situation. A moment ago, we were talking about how another financial professional was out there saying you should draw early because you never know. Your Social Security could be taxed. <laughs> Before we hit the other points, what else would, 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 do we want to say about that, guys? I, I don't know what else I would add other than, um, you, you know, you, you teased this out in the last segment that it almost feels like there are some arguments being made that you should limit your income so that it's not taxed. And I, I think, boy, anyone who's presenting to you an argument that flies in the face of this principle, can we all agree that more cash flow coming into your hands is better than less cash flow coming into your hands? Yes. Especially over an entire lifetime. Dealing with the tax ramifications of it is a separate issue. But more income into your hands will help you gain more security. It will help you uh, achieve a better lifestyle, maybe help your money last longer in retirement. So drawing earlier because you're afraid of taxes is foolishness, in my opinion. So the big idea here is you want to pay the least amount of tax over your lifetime. And in regards to Social Security, you want to pay the least amount of tax over your kid's lifetime. This is generational tax planning right here. Sometimes, although it might feel good to pay zero tax at all, when you look at it from that angle, you might want to pay a little bit of tax to help your kids not pay a lot of tax. So you think, you thought tax planning was most important when you're working. It actually gets much more important and much more interesting in retirement, especially because of Social Security. So, all right. The other issue, the other misinformation that I saw out there published by another financial advisor is watch out with delaying Social Security because of your required minimum distribution. Now, to me, your required minimum distribution is relevant to when you should draw Social Security 
to me, it's just not relevant in you should draw your Social Security as early as possible. It's not an argument for going early with Correct. Social Security. It's saying. actually an argument to do the opposite. That's right. I mean, there's a school of thought out there that says, um, listen, the, the government's going to force you to pull money out of your IRAs. It is a requirement in the uh, tax code that after reaching age 70 and a half, everyone has to begin pulling money out of their traditional IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, that sort of thing. You know, this is money that's been outside of the, the tax man's reach for so long, they want to, to tax you. And knowing that that date is, is looming out there in the future, um, some people can take some, some action earlier, well before age 70 and a half, to try to limit what those required minimum distributions are. Some people would even go so far as to say, live off those IRAs for the early years of retirement, delaying your Social Security, and that way when you do get to age 70 and a half, you've got a bigger Social Security check and less requirement for required minimum distributions. What I love, and again, this is all circumstantial. It's all based on your specific financial plan. It really is. But the sweet spot that I absolutely love is if you've got cash that you've built up or set aside that you've said, well, this is what I'm going to use to supplement my Social Security. And it's just cash sitting in the bank, something like that. I've seen more and more people do this as they're preparing for retirement these days. All right, let's crunch the numbers to see if you could live off of that cash delay Social Security, and convert your pre-tax IRA dollars while you're young over to Roth. What that does is it will limit and reduce your required minimum distribution that you need to start at age 70 and a half. It will give you a higher Social Security like Josh mentioned, but the other thing that it will do is it will allow you to pay the most amount of tax at the lowest possible rates while you're still young. Now, I'm not saying that that is a strategy for you specifically, but we're seeing that strategy work for lots of, for lots of people. Um, the point again here is financial planning. So That's right. You don't even have that option at your disposal unless you have built up those liquid assets that uh, Mike was describing. You have to have an alternative to Social Security. If you're going to walk away from a paycheck and not start Social Security right away, what will you live off of? It needs to be assets that you've built up elsewhere. That's why when you work with your uh, financial planner and make sure that financial planner is certified, you want to be building tax diversification yes. into your investment strategy. Because yep. a lot of times people say, well, I want to be diversified by asset classes or types of investments, but you also want to be diversified uh, via your tax strategy as well. That's right. The last um, misinformation that was thrown out there recently by, by this, uh, this individual to me, actually has zero bearing on when you should draw your Social Security. It truly has zero bearing on it. And that is that uh, there could, you could pay more for your Medicare, that there's a Medicare surcharge if your income gets up above a certain level. The only way that I can see that connected to your Social Security decision, again, is to say, well, you should draw as low as possible. Yeah. Draw your Social Security as small as possible because you could have this surcharge. To me, and, they, and even that's a stretch. The truth is, if your income, if your modified adjusted gross income is significant, and by significant, I mean over $170,000 for a married couple, which most people in retirement do not have income sustainably that's that high, if it's, if it's above that, then you might pay more for your Medicare premiums. But if it's not, this is a bogus argument. 
That's right. And you know what you're alluding to, though, is a potential tax trap for those in retirement. Yeah. How, how many are, are tempted when they get to retirement to just pull a whole bunch of money out of their IRA and pay off the last of the mortgage or, you know, go buy another house uh, with IRA money, not realizing that uh, that is an injection of extra income that may cause them to have to pay this extra surcharge on their Medicare premiums. So you need to be very aware. I'm not saying that this surcharge is nothing to worry about. Oh my goodness, you need to be very aware of it. You don't want to pay extra for Medicare because you don't get extra benefits. You know, you don't get a, <laughs> a, a, a you don't get to cut in front of the line at the doctor's office or special <laughs> medications or whatever. No, you just get to pay more for it. No, we don't want to do that. So you need to be mindful of the taxes. To me, it just doesn't it just doesn't correlate to when you should draw your Social Security. Right. And it, 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 to throw a little confusion into the mix, there are two different taxes. So there's a surtax if I make more than 250 as a married couple, and that's 3.8%. But there's also an additional Medicare premium I would pay if I'm retired and I'm on Medicare and my income's above, as a married couple, above 170. So there are some things to be aware of, but a lot of times those those thresholds those limits aren't aren't going to be factors in in planning if you have a unique year where you sold something or you received something or something like that and it was just a unique year there's a form that you can fill out your cpa or or your financial advisor can help you fill out that form that tells medicare hey 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 this this was just a one time event please make an exception for this surcharge for my Medicare premiums. And oftentimes that works. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, if you can prove, hey, this was a, a unique event. So, all right. So we've talked about it a, a, a bit, but um, making your decision about when to draw Social Security is fits squarely within all six areas of your financial life. You've got to make that decision, not based on what's best for everyone else or what your friend has done. You've got to base it on your own comprehensive financial plan because it touches nearly every area of your financial life. Yeah, you know, uh, this is a show about financial planning. And we, we talk about how there are six key areas of your financial life. The first one being your present financial position, do a lot of uh, budgeting work and and goal setting, that sort of thing. It's talking about cash flow and how your assets are structured. Clearly, your Social Security decision is going to affect your cash flow. Mm -hmm. It also could have an impact on your protection planning, whether or not it makes sense to get life insurance or long-term care insurance in place. That's insurance uh, decision-making. It's part of the financial plan. Tax planning, we just got done talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, clearly, not everyone has the same impact uh, in their financial life from a tax standpoint uh, based on their, their tax or their Social Security decision. It could also have an impact on how you structure your investments. Yeah. Because you may need to have some liquid assets available so that you can afford to delay Social Security to the optimum time frame for you. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, obviously, Social Security is a retirement resource for you. So it's going to have an impact on uh, how much confidence you have as you march into retirement. And finally, this, the sixth area, the capstone to a good financial plan is an estate plan. And certainly, uh, 
how you decide to draw Social Security will have an impact on your surviving spouse if you're married as well. Because of the survivor benefits. That's right. Absolutely. So, all right. Hopefully that dispels the myths and, and some of the misinformation out there helps equips you to make a great decision with your Social Security. We've got a great question from Daniel coming up. That and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard coming to you from the world headquarters of Corhorn Financial Group in the KFG studios, along with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thanks so much for being with us. If you've missed anything, there's a few ways you can catch up on every previous episode. One is on podcast, okay? Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search the Wise Money Show, and you can catch this episode and every other. I'd encourage you to rate the podcast, even list comments there as well. That gives us feedback and also helps make us more searchable for other people looking for wise financial content. Um, also on the YouTube channel, we've made some enhancements there recently and are pushing out more and more videos. So I'd encourage you to find us on YouTube. Uh, just search Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, and click that notification button so you're notified of all the other videos that we're pushing out there about um, you know, basic instructions or, hey, consider this, so you get all of that info. And then lastly, online, wisemoneyradio.com is how you find us. There's an online listener right there, and you can listen to every previous episode, even submit questions right there as well. Speaking of, that's what Daniel did, and Daniel's a fan of the show, went to the, went to the website, submitted a question, and uh, here's what he asked. Hi, Hi, Corhorn. I'm Daniel from Stevensville, Michigan. I was wondering what was your guys' thoughts on keeping a mortgage on a house? Rick Edelman, which if you don't know, is another financial professional, has radio shows and so on. So Rick Edelman says keeping a mortgage for tax benefits is a smart idea. Or is it better to pay your home off? What do you guys think? I already responded to you, Daniel. I'll share my comments in a second. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to hear what you uh, what you shared with them. You know, this uh, idea of there being tax benefits to a mortgage that's true. There's uh, two primary tax benefits. One is if you happen to live in a locality that gives you some sort of real estate tax write-off or reduction for having a mortgage in place, often referred to as a mortgage exemption, it might save you a few bucks just by having a mortgage in, in place. A few and, bucks on your property taxes. A few bucks on your real estate taxes. That's right. And I mean, so where we live, it's about 50 bucks yeah. per year. So not a huge, huge benefit to keeping a mortgage. Most likely, I'm assuming what Rick Edelman is referring to is the the tax write-off that you get on your income tax return, specifically your federal income tax return. We refer to it as an itemized deduction. That's harder and harder for people to get a, a tax benefit for because the government is giving every married couple and every individual just such a large standard deduction, a, a free write-off that you get regardless of whether you have a mortgage. And uh, so the only way that the mortgage helps you is if it helps push you up over that free option that the government is giving you. And less and less people may be taking that write-off. Yeah. It all boils down to, in my opinion, though, if, if you're looking at this through the tax lens, 
would you rather pay a dollar to your lender or maybe have to pay 27 cents or something similar to that to the government in taxes? Because the only way you get this tax write-off is if money left your hands and went to a lender. And we often think that money going to the government is just such a terrible thing. I kind of like it when none of the money leaves your hands. It stays (laughs) in your own possession and can grow for your future, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think um, what I and I love Rick Edelman, and he's kind of a rock star in our industry. And I've been reading his books for the last 25 years. And I don't agree with everything he says. I certainly wouldn't agree with this advice. This advice may be pertinent to someone who's got 20 million or more. And I have friends that work with uh, folks in those situations. Those folks buy everything with OPM. <laughs> and so um, other people's money, right? <laughs> other people's money. Right. So so if your whole um, lifestyle is structured to use other people's money to buy your stuff, that's one thing. But for um, for the what I would call the mass affluent, one of the things you want to do is pay that house off. If you if you had if I paid a thousand dollars of interest today, um, the the tax benefit is what would you, what would you say two two seventy? Is that what you were saying, Josh? Yeah, so something if, like that. Depends on what tax bracket you're in. The higher your income, the higher the tax bracket you're in, the more. Uh, benefit you get from from this tax write off, right? So i i don't I don't like that because the the problem, as Joshua alluded to, is there are too many things that have to be aligned in my financial situation in order for for me to actually benefit. And the tax benefit is only on the federal side; it's not on the state side. Mm-hmm. So it's a what we would refer to in the biz is a below the line deduction. So I would say pay off your mortgage as soon as you can. Now, that advice is in a vacuum, Mm. which would make it horrible advice. (laughs) Because one of the things that you might want to do instead of being aggressive in paying off your house, especially if you're very young, you might want to be aggressive in saving money into your retirement plan and reducing your tax bill over there and letting your house go, especially, and I'm going to talk to the younger listeners out there, if you are younger, you're likely going to be changing houses within the next five years. And most people don't believe that, but statistically, most folks don't stay in a house more than five years. Now, the older you get, that starts to change a little bit. But I would say, okay, if I'm going to be changing houses, I may not want to be pouring a bunch of money into this house because I'm only going to be changing houses in the future. So therefore, there may be a better option. It's a, it's a planning question. Yeah, I feel like there's a common logic or argument out there, especially amongst many financial advisors, that if you're going to have a mortgage, it should be a really long mortgage. So stretch the payments out as long as you can because longer mortgage means smaller payment, right? Smaller payment means more savings capacity or more investment capacity, as Kevin was saying. And uh, getting started early in your retirement savings especially, it allows you to take advantage of the compounding growth that can occur. And uh, if you have a low interest rate mortgage, the argument would say, 
hey, pay pay as little as possible on that mortgage, stretch it out as long as possible so that you can uh, build up resources that will grow faster than the interest rate on the mortgage would have been anyway. Yeah, I, agree. I actually agree with that argument in the context of a financial plan. For the question here and the point that Rick Edelman's making about the tax benefits, I think that is, I think that's malarkey. I, because the tax benefit for for a deduction, the benefit is always a percentage of the underlying deduction. So in this <laughs> in this essence, the deduction is a cost to you. Right. So would I rather save the thousand dollars? Or get a couple hundred bucks back on my taxes? No, I'd rather save the thousand dollars. So, yeah, he, so, um, so to me, I think, I think from a tax standpoint, the idea of keeping a mortgage around—I mean, maybe, maybe for for a tiny percentage of the population that might make sense, but for the more majority, like Kevin said, mass affluent doesn't doesn't make sense. But the other thing that I told Daniel is you got to watch out for opportunity cost. And you guys have already both hit on that. You guys are smart. I just love I <laughs> love being in business with you guys, doing this show with you guys. Here's the here's the thing. A dollar that goes towards paying off the mortgage quickly cannot go towards saving you taxes by going into your retirement account. Can't be invested for the stock in the stock market growing for your long term and receiving compound interest. So once again, it depends on your specific financial situation. Couple points real quick. This is a planning question because it is possible if you want the mortgage uh, deduction, it's technically it's possible, depending on where you are and some other things, it's possible to get the mortgage deduction by having a home equity line of credit on your home and not a mortgage. So you say, well, do I have to maintain a mortgage to get that deduction? Uh, no, you don't have to, depending on your situation. And the other thing is this this kind of points out the conflicts that can exist because as financial advisors, one of the ways we get paid is to manage people's money. And if people take their money and pay off their house, we don't really get paid on that. So you want to have someone who's working for you and their agenda is driven by you, not by some big organization in some big regional city. Uh, That's right. And other things. That's right. Thank you for the question, Daniel. Thanks for your listenership as well. I, I hope that was helpful. I hope this whole show was helpful. I mean, Social Security, that is an enormous, enormous decision. And the, the, the big point, again, is you got to make that decision in light of all six areas of your financial life. So thanks so much for listening. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.